Well, welcome everyone. This is Joseph Robinson. I'm your host of my podcast called The Antithesis. I want to thank you for showing up. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you to Percy Scott, man, uh, my brother in arms, man. I've been knowing this guy for 24 years. Thank you for that introduction, uh, that musical introduction. Um, feel free, guys. I want to just say thank you to him, but uh, feel free. He's a DJ, DJ P. Dot. Um, you can reach him by either email at P E E D O T S C O T T at gmail.com. That's P. Scott at gmail.com or on his Instagram. That's P underscore dot underscore Scott. That's on his Instagram. So uh, please follow him. Please like him. I appreciate you, brother. I love you. Um, one of the things I wanted to do, I realize I'm actually recording this on a Monday, but uh, I realize I'm not going to actually be dropping the episode until Friday, which is uh, 9-11. And so I wanted to take some time to just acknowledge the great loss that we took those 19 years ago and really acknowledge the men and the women and the bravery of those who lost their lives, who risked their lives, um, who are even sick now because they were exposed to asbestos and, and toxic gases and all these kinds of things. All the people who were pivotal in making sure that as many people as could be saved were saved, I want to say, man, uh, I bless you. Uh, I want to say I want to bless the the families of the fallen and honor them, honor their memories, honor their names, honor their lives and what they they did that day. Um, nearly 3,000 people, Americans were, were lost. And um, as I said, people are suffering now, even now today, because they were exposed to different things. And uh, I pray that our, our country continues to lift up those people and to take care of the people that really did risk their lives. So thank you, the firemen, the, the policemen, the, um, uh, the EMTs, the, you know, the, the first responders, man, uh, I honor your, your, uh, your, your memory and I honor your sacrifice. So thank you. Um, so as again, I said, my, my name is Joseph Robinson. This is the inaugural episode of the antithesis and the reason I named this podcast The Antithesis is because I found that in my short 35 years of life that the truth is 99.99% of the time the antithesis of what modern culture and our modern era is telling us to live and how we are supposed to think, how we're supposed to move how we're supposed to traverse the waters of relationships, of marriage, of, of uh, child rearing, of, you know, any, anything. Usually the truth is in the opposite direction of what we are being programmed to believe. And so, you know, there was a time, man, where putting myself out here like this and actually uh, putting out a podcast and, and talking uh, in any capacity, man, I would have, I would have just been terrified. But over the years, over much hardship, much burden, 
many, many hardships, many hard times, um, brutal events that, that have taken place in my life, I realized that the opinions of people really don't matter that much. And that's what had kept me back for so long, the opinions of people. But I realized that this, that at my lowest points, when I was in the depths of despair, when I was on my floor with nothing, everything stripped from me, um, alone, in the dark, asking God if I could die, (laughs) asking God if I could just leave this earth and be with him, having to sell everything that I own just to survive. Um, my heart brutally <laughs> ripped in two, you know, and so many things, you know, self-inflicted and inflicted by, by others. What I realized is that the only person that was there with, for me and with me was Jesus Christ the righteous. He was the only one who stood by me even in my sin, even in, in the times where I deserved to be abandoned, I deserved to be lost, he stuck by me. And that's true love. That's love unconditional. That's love unfeigning. And, um, and so let this be a lesson to you. Never, never, never be afraid to speak the truth. I pray that this podcast will be a catalyst to people that if they get into a situation where either it's gonna, they need to speak the truth or people are going to get, get offended by, by them, I pray that you would always speak the truth no matter what. No matter what the obstacle is, no matter what the opposition, no matter what anybody says. Because at the end of the day, when you're f- with, with, if mother and father forsake you, husband, wife forsake you, anybody, all your friends and family, your, your children forsake you, God will still be there for you. And so I will speak the truth. And whatever God tells me to speak upon this podcast, I will speak in boldness as I ought to speak. And um, so I'm very grateful for the opportunity. So the first episode uh, of this podcast uh, is going to be a first of of three. Okay, it's going to be a three-part series. And... The first um, episode is going to be called, it's actually, uh, the series is called A Better Path to Love. A Better Path to Love. Man, in this time, in this crazy time that we're living in, this crazy time that we're living in, um, we truly need a better path to love. Um, the love of, of many has grown cold. We're living in a in a in a crazy time, a, a brutal time, in our in our history, and um, we need a better path to love. And so the the first episode of this series is going to be called the ideology of self love. The ideology of self love. You know, one of the things that I'm seeing is that this. This ideology of self-love seems to be very pervasive in our culture, um, whether it be these self-help gurus or people that are on church church platforms, um, 
people who are in high in, in, in rank is uh, as far as politically or people who are in the in, you know, in the dirt, people living in the dirt. This this ideology, this understanding, this 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 perspective of self-love and loving yourself and choosing yourself and and all these things. It's very, very, very pervasive in our culture. And yet, and, and, and you know, it, it's funny it, it, when you when you talk to people about it. Um, it sounds like the answer. It sounds like the answer to, to the world's problems. It sounds like the answer to all these things. You know, I talk to people, friends and family and stuff like that. And, and we're talking about black politics and we're talking about things that are happening in, in the black community. And one of the things that, that comes up a lot of the times is say, man, if we could just learn to love ourselves better, you know, it would just be better, better situation. And I, I always kind of got a check in my, in my mind, in my spirit and saying, is that the answer? Is self-love the answer to the problems that we're facing in this age? Because from my perspective, and I'm not sure if it's just me, but from my perspective, even though this, this ideology of self-love is so pervasive, I'm seeing more broken families than I've ever seen. I'm seeing more single family households, more co-parenting situations than, than, than ever, to the point where having a family that's a unified front, a mother, a father, children together, is almost becoming taboo. I'm not sure if people are really paying attention to that, but the norm is becoming something where to where a single family home is becoming the new normal. I see more and more people weaving in and out of relationships, convinced that they're, they'll never find love, convinced that they're, you know, they're going to be chronically single the rest of their lives, that there's no more good men out there, you know, there's no more good women out there convinced that there's no one out there for them. Um, I'm watching a nation divided. Divided so much to the point where we may be on the verge of civil war. And I'm not prophesying that. I'm not saying speaking that into existence or anything like that. But I'm saying that that, that tensions and, and the disunification and, and the amount of, of, of animosity and hatred toward either side of the coin, whether it be Democrats or Republicans, white, black, um, man and woman, you know, all, all this, this tension between the sexes, between the races, between all these things. Um, we are on the verge of something that if, if not addressed, if not taken care of, that it can be something that brings self, it would bring implosion. And we've seen nations and countries and civilizations do that very thing, implode, destroy themselves from the inside out because of, of, of animosity, strife, bitterness, all these things that are, that are building up to where it becomes just a t- ticking time bomb. And yet, even through all this, this ideology, just like I said, of self-love continues to be pervasive. Now, I'll say this, that in the absence of the true, any substitute will do. 
Let me say that again. In the absence of the true, any substitute will do. So the question is, is this the answer? Is it the answer? Is it the answer to the, divide, the division in our nation? Is it the answer to your relationship problems? Is it the answer to your chronic singleness? Is it the answer to your broken marriage? Is it the answer to the battle between the sexes and the races? Well, before I attempt to, to answer that question, I, I just want to uh, give a little lesson on a subject that, that, that uh, I used to really enjoy when I, when I was a kid. And, um, you know, when I was a kid, I, I grew up kind of different. I, I kind of grew up in a, um, uh, in white suburbia and, um, you know, just kind of grew up differently. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't any better. It wasn't any worse. I'm just, it was just different. Um, and so some of the things that I, I got into were are different from, from other kids and stuff like that. And so I, one of the things that I really enjoyed when I was growing up, and I didn't have anybody, yeah, I, no, nobody had to teach me to, you know, to, to go this way. Nobody had to, to, uh, to twist my arm to do it. I just love reading about Greek mythology. Greek mythology was so cool to me. I would read about all the stories of, of, of uh, Zeus and Hermes and Aphrodite and, and, uh, and all the, the mystical characters and, and Pegasus and all the demigods and, uh, you know, Hercules and, and all, all these things. I mean, it, just, it just intrigued me to read about these things and, and all the kind of crazy things that these gods would do um, in interaction with, hum- with mankind. And, I, of course, I didn't believe in it, but it was just, it was just interesting to, to read the stories. But one of the stories that I, I became very, uh, uh, very well aware of was a story written by a Greek scholar by the name of Ovid, O-V-I-D, Ovid. And uh, this story was actually written only eight years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this is, this is uh, 8 A.D., and in 8 AD, um, he, he wrote a story about a man who um, was half a river god and half nymph. And for some, for some reason, he, he turned into a man. I have no idea how that happens. But anyway, this is Greek mythology. It doesn't really make sense all the time. But I remember reading about this, this story. And this man uh, was half river god, half nymph. And he would, he became a mighty hunter. So he was a man's man. Okay. He, he worked with his hands. He was a mighty hunter. He'd hunt down maybe bears or, or lions or whatever, whatever, you know, his prey was, he was a mighty hunter. So he was a man's man, strong, probably, probably very muscular. Um, you know, you, you get the idea, you get the gist, but also along with being a man's man and very strong hunter, brave, He's also a very, what they call a beautiful man, a beautiful man, very handsome, very, probably very rugged looking, very good looking to the point, And it was, it, it was, it wasn't regular good looking, right? It was just not, not just being fine, right? It was, it was something different to the point where every suitor, every potential suitor or lover that came across his path was shunned and vilified by him. And people would fall so head over heels over this guy that people were actually committing suicide. 
This is the story of this man. They're committing suicide in this attempt to um, show the, show him their their loyalty and their just just you know just loyalty to him. People were, were just were just swooning over this guy, men and women. Um, and so you know, and, and but but the, the funny thing was, he always spurred all his lovers. No nobody that he, that ever tried to get next to him could hold him. He would spurn all of his lovers. He would just say, "Oh, you're 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 beneath me." You're you know, maybe he would have he would have some, some kind of sexual relationship with him, but after he was done, you know, he'd wipe his mouth. I'm gone. You know, wash his hands, and I'm I'm out the door. Now one day, you know, he's living, he's living, he's he's out hunting, and one day on on a hunt in 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 the forest, a forest nymph by the name of Echo uh, discovers him, and instantly she falls head over heels in love with this guy, right? And, and she's and she she uh, she reveals himself uh, herself to him and tries to embrace him, and instantly he just shuns her. He just shuts her down. Um, he doesn't want anything to do with her. And because of this, she um, goes into self-imposed exile and wastes away, dies because of the situation. Doesn't want to eat, doesn't want to drink, just, just withers away because of this. Now, there was a goddess by the name of um, Nemesis who didn't like this. She was seeing and observing uh, this guy and was saying, you know what, I don't like what's going on. He... You know, uh, especially with this nymph, I, I guess they might have been friends or, or relatives. I have no idea. Um, but she didn't like this. And so she put this man under a spell. And as the story goes, as he was hunting, he goes on, uh, underneath this spell. And he begins to walk through the, through the forest kind of kind of like a drunk. Kind of overwhelmed by this spell that he's under. All of a sudden, he stumbles over to a pool of water. And for the first time in his life, looking into the pool of water, he finally found somebody that was as beautiful as he had ever seen. Someone that he was worthy of his love. Someone that was worthy of his time and affection. And you know what it was? It wasn't somebody down in the pool. It was his own reflection. This man became so enamored and fell in love with his own reflection. The image of himself. And, and there's more things that happen, you know, in the story. You know, as the story goes, I mean, some, you know, some other weird things that transpired. But this story is the story of Narcissus. It's also the story by which we derive the the word narcissist or narcissism. Let me give you a definition of narcissist. Quick definition real quick. So, definition of narcissist is someone who is selfish, involving a sense of entitlement, a lack of empathy, and a need for admiration as characterizing a personality type. Now listen to this. Excessive interest or admiration for oneself and or one's physical appearance. Now, it doesn't always have to be physical appearance, but many times narcissism 
does manifest itself by people falling in love with the image of their own selves. Now, let me give you some synonyms to this definition. Some synonyms, and, and these are just straight out of the dictionary. This, this is not me. These are straight out of the dictionary. Here, let me read some, some, some synonyms to narcissism. Um, and synonym means that, that a word or phrase that is, that is similar. Self-admiration. Self-regard. Ah, I regard myself. Self-regard. Self-adulation. Conceit. I want you to remember that word, conceit. Remember that. Put that in your, in your mainframe. Put that, put that in your pocket, in your mind. Conceit. Vanity. Egoism. Egotism. Egomania. Self-absorption. And finally, so this is not, this is not the last one, but I, I put it at the very last for a reason. Finally, another phrase that is a synonym, a, a definition, a synonym for narcissism is self-love. Self-love. And isn't that the generation that we live in right now? Isn't that the generation? Isn't that so telling of the generation that we live in right now? We live in the selfie generation. We live in the generation. I, I know people... Right now, I could, I could probably name a handful of people right now, people that I, I know and love, who have thousands and thousands and thousands of pictures of themselves, who are incessant about taking pictures of themselves over and over, kissy faces and, and different poses and lighting and, and different, different ways of, of, you know, getting my best shot and let me get my best side. That's my, that's not that my best side. That's, let me get this side. And we think that this is not having an effect. This is not something that just happening to a few people. It has become a pandemic, not an epidemic. This is not just something that is, that is, that is true for the American culture. This has become a pandemic just as much as coronavirus has become a pandemic, this, this self, this self, uh, self-love, the ideology of self-love has become a pandemic in our society. We want everyone to admire us, to see us, to follow us. We love that. All my followers, I had this many followers, as if that is a stamp of our our completeness, our value as human beings. How many followers that I, that I have? We we brag about these kind of things. I have this many. Fo- I have a million followers. I have 60,000 60, followers. I have this and that. You know, how many followers do you have? Um, you know, as if we're we're jousting, going back and forth, um, jousting to see who is the most relevant, who is the most loved, who's the most admired. Ah, when all the time. We're putting up a facade, a mask that is really showing of our generation. And what it's doing is it's shielding everybody from seeing the real brokenness of our lives, the depression that we live under, the heaviness of heart, the anger, the rage, the the pain that we're living in. 
and it's nothing but a, but, but a facade. And I'm telling you this, that many of us, many of us have become our own God. Now, you, you might think this, this, is, this is far-reaching, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some, some things. I'm going to show you some things that is going to show you that what I'm saying is not far-fetched. It's not, it's not out of the realm of, of, being, of being untrue. It's, it's very true. But I'm telling you that many people have become such the center uh, focus of their lives that they themselves have become their own God, the hero of their own story, and they are worshiping at the altar dedicated to the idol of their own image. Let me say that again. We are living in a generation of people who have become so enamored with themselves and so self-focused that they have become their own God, the hero of their own story, worshiping at the altar dedicated to the idol of their own image. I want that to sink in. To some people, that's not going to make sense. To some people, that's going to sound outrageous. But when you look at the world and you look at the, the brutality and you look at the selfishness and you look at what's going on in the world, it's not far-fetched. It's the reality of which we live, my brothers and sisters. It is the reality of which we are living in right now. And you know what? This is the funny thing. The Bible says specifically, very clearly. So I think that even, see, see, this is not something that's just happening in the world. This pandemic has taken root in the lives and the visions and the perspectives of people who know God. People who love God, Christians. People who have been in church all their lives have become victim and become sway and become swayed into this ideology of self-love. And the Bible says, and if they if we would just read the Bible, man, so many things would be clear to us. The Bible says that this ideology of self-love would be a key indicator of the symptom of the end of the age. That when you begin to see people living in such self-centeredness and self-love, that it would be a primary indicator that the end of the age is near. That the end of the age is coming. And we are right on the cusp of that time. Now, we don't know the time of the hour. We don't know exactly when. But we know the symptoms. Let, let's read this. This is out of Second Timothy, Timothy chapter 3, just starting from the very first verse. And it says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of terrible difficulty. Now why? Why? Why would, be there, why would be, uh, there be days of terrible difficulty? Is it because of the coronavirus? 
is because of of you know this pandemic is because you know the the western hemisphere of our of our nation is being you know is is being devoured in 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 fires is it um our political sphere is it is all these different kinds of things uh, natural natural circumstances um natural catastrophes these uh you know these great storms that are hitting our our nation all these things is this the reason why the great difficulty is happening it says no it says this is the reason why it says for the people will be lovers of self this is the first there's a list of of things that i'm going to read off to you but i believe that god puts in order things for a reason he put things in order for a reason this is going to be this this was going to be the number one indicator of the end of the age it says for people will be lovers of self lovers of money proud arrogant abusive oh my gosh we've definitely seen that especially with the rise of COVID-19 because people have had to deal with themselves They've had to deal with their relationships and things that they have not wanted to deal with in the past. They had to deal with it because they were scooped up in their houses. And we've seen a rise in domestic abuse, domestic violence as a result of people having to deal with themselves. We've seen abuse has been on the rise. Disobedient to parents. Ungrateful. Unholy. Unholy. Unholy just means that you're common. That you're just like everybody else. That you're just trying to be like everybody else. You're trying to act like everybody else. You're trying to, to be your own self and love yourself and live your best life. But everybody's trying to do that. Everybody's trying to live their best life. Everybody's trying to, to look the part, to have the followers, to have the, the people swooning over them. And you're trying to be an individual when really you're just being like everyone else. It's unho- that's that's what unholy means. Heartless, heartless, heartless. It's amazing. The we don't even in this society we don't even respect the innocence of a child anymore. Children being killed in cold blood, murdered in cold blood. Heartless. Unappeasable, unappeasable. Can't appease people. You can't make them happy. Whatever you do, you cannot make them happy. Unappeasable. You can't make in. You can't make this person happy. No matter what you do, this person is going to be remain unhappy, in strife and bitterness. Unappeasable, slanderous, without self control, without self control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with what was that word? Conceit. Remember I told you to remember that? Swollen with conceit. Conceited. You ever dated somebody who was conceited? You ever been in love with someone who is conceited and self-centered? It's hard to do, right? It's hard to do, isn't it? And maybe you were that person. And maybe you were the person that was hard to love. But it says that in the end times, people would be swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure. <laughs> Oh, man. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness. Having a form of godliness. You know, all of these self-help gurus, 
most of the time they know they 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 um they believe in God. Most of the time they believe in a higher power. Most of the time they're going to tell you that they pray to a higher power, that they they pray to the universe, that they pray to to all these different things. But he said, but but that's going to be the sign of the end time that people were would have a form of God, a form of godliness, but deny the power, the power, but denies power. The only way that you can acknowledge the power is acknowledge the one behind the power, who is Jesus Christ, the righteous. You just can't say, oh, I believe in a higher power. Oh, I believe in the universe. Oh, I believe in this and that. Many people believe in that, but are denied its power. And, and the more and more we see that, the closer and closer and closer we see the dawn of this age, that actually the, 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 no, no, the sunset of this age coming to fruition. Denying its power, void, avoid such people. It says, for among them are those who creep into households, capture weak women, burdened by sins and led astray by, by various passions, always learning always learning always people who are are extremely well versed you have all your degrees you have all your credentials very credentialed people very high to do people very high minded people always learning but never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth you know that what the truth is the truth is that if we want to start walking in real love, I'm talking about not 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 this love that we that we've been we've been trained. We've been we've been trained to walk this way. This this self love, but if we want true love, if the truth is, is that we if we want to walk in start walking in real love, true and authentic, we need to un- start understanding the qualifying stamp of love. What is the qualifying stamp of love? The qualifying stamp of love is giving. The qualifying stamp of love is laying down your life so that you can find it. See, there is none of that in self-love. Self-love will never allow you to do that. Self-love will never tell you to give, to give and lay your life down. It will never tell you to do that. Scripture says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever that believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He gave. It says that greater, greater love hath no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. It also says that if any man wants to gain his life, if any man wants to gain his life, if you want to gain your life, if you want to, if you are seeking your life, you're trying to find yourself. So many people are trying to find themselves. I'm trying to find myself. I'm trying to be, live my best life. I'm trying to find my purpose. If anyone wants to gain their own life, he said he will lose it. If anybody's trying to gain that life, by social media likes, by social media followers, by, by, um, by accolades, by just, you know, doing, you know, just, you know, self-care. This is, this is self-care September. 
<laughs> you know, this is interesting that I, I would be led to speak about this in self-care September. We have a whole month dedicated to self-care. And many of you don't understand what I'm saying. Many of you are saying to yourself, well, what's wrong with that? Well, we're going to get more into that as time goes by. But I'm telling you that if any man wants to gain his life, he will lose it. But if a man loses his life for my sake, this is Jesus speaking. If any man loses his life for my sake, he will find it. It's in losing your life that you find real life, what life is really about. It's in laying down your own selfish ambition for his sake that you find true glory. This is what you're called to. This is true love, that you would lay down your life, that you would give. This is love, true and authentic. I'm telling you, self-love, this ideology, this ideology that we have been indoctrinated in, this is not the way. It's not the answer to our great dilemma. We have a great dilemma on our hands. We have a nation divided. We have people chronically, from relationship to relationship, can't find anybody, thinking that everybody else is the problem thinking that this person did this to me, this person did that to me, never looking at the fact that the very reason why they even got into the relationship was a selfish ambition. They came into the relationship wanting something, grasping at something. Either it was good sex, good looks, prestige, money, notoriety, Whatever, or just be, because the person made you feel good about yourself. It was never about them. It wasn't like you opened up your, your hands and said, I want to give. How can I give to this person? How can I be the blessing to this person? How can I make sure that this person lives their best life? And make sure that they realize their dreams and their passions. See, if we had a, a world filled, filled with that, I guarantee you that so many more people would be fulfilled in their relationships, in their lives, in their friendships. But as it is, we live in a world that has been inundated with this ideology of self-love. Now, if self-love is not the answer, which I don't believe it is, now you may think so, but I guarantee you, just like the Bible says, that this generation is rot is it's just rot with 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 symptoms of the last and the end and ends of the age it's rot full of it it's ripe full of it that people will be lovers of themselves that would be the, that would be the first thing to go but if that's not the answer what is what is love true and authentic what is the what is the antidote for what is ailing us in our nation and in our world. Well, I'm going to be talking about that. And I'm going to be coming from a different perspective than a lot of people really think. And, and again, that's why this is the antithesis. It's going to be different from what we are being programmed to believe. 
So I, I look forward to talking with you again soon. And uh, this is the end of our first inaugural episode of The Antithesis. I'll see you next time.